It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It is our pleasure on Sox Degrees to be joined by Dave Sims in his 16th season with the Mariners broadcast team and all-around good guy. Dave, welcome to Chicago. When this airs, you will have uh, moved on to another city on the uh, MLB tour, but it's just great to see you in person for the first time in a couple years. <laughs> Jason, a pleasure to be with you guys. DJ, good to see you too, pal. <laughs> um, I know, this is unbelievable. This is our, you know, we open up in Minnesota. Good to see Dick and those guys. And good to see you guys. Anyway, three years, man. It's a long time. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're, that's right. The brethren. Here we're back together again. This is great. So what's your favorite part about seeing Darren Jackson? Well, familiar face for one. And a guy that lives up in the greater, he's in the greater Seattle area. So, uh, so you know, and he probably, and he listens to his wife and lives up there. So, uh, you know, it, you know, happy, happy wife, happy life. You know how that goes. I, I ha- I'm obligated to mention our live studio audience when we have one. That's right. Sox Degrees <laughs> is filmed in front of a live studio audience. That's right. You got to have that disclaimer, right? Yeah. 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 I want to know. I want to know the first game you ever called. What was it? Uh, it was uh, w- uh, any any sport. Yeah, anything. Uh, little. I went to Little Bethany College, a D3 school in West Virginia, north of Wheeling, just southwest of Pittsburgh. I did a game. Uh, I didn't get paid, but I did a game. I want to say it was at Kenyon College, Gambier, Ohio. First time I got paid for a game, it was Temple University playing at Wyoming. Uh, that was in 1980. That was in 1990. That was the first time I got paid for a game. At for, Wyoming? At Wyoming. The Wyoming Cowboys, Kurt Gowdy School. How'd you end up in Laramie? That- uh, well, Bruce Arians, bless his heart, had been the coach at Temple mid-late 80s, and he scheduled a he, he wanted to try to built Temple football up to try to be on par with Joe Pa at Penn State. You know, Philly's a pro town more than a college town for, for football. And when I got there in 90 on the schedule for the next three years was Wyoming, Alabama, Tennessee, uh, Clemson, uh, Penn State, and it was nuts. And this was the early years of the Big East, of Big East football. I don't want to give away your age because you're very. That's okay. I'm no, 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 no. You're very youthful. But is it fair to say you got into the broadcasting side of things fairly late? Yeah. I mean, Jason, I don't know how old you are. I was, I was basically 17 when I got into broadcasting. But you were a sports writer, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah I uh, started out as a sports writer. I got two glorious summers as an intern at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Was invited back in '75 after I graduated, and I did that. I stayed there till '82, and then. With the advent of CNN, Satellite News Channel, they were looking for experienced journalists, people who knew how to put stories together, yada, yada, yada. And I wound up at Satellite News Channel their final 12 months of their 16-year existence before Ted Turner bought them out. That's how I got in. Wow. Yeah. So so what led you to calling games, Dave? I always wanted to call games. When I was at Bethany, oh, God, yeah. I, I played one year of football, return kickoffs, 
Uh, I was a, 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 I'd been a fullback in an I formation in uh, in high school. It was a car crash almost every play. I'd get to carry it every now and then, swing pass every now and then. Played freshman year in college and midway, and I said midway through, I said we're not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't need it. And, I, and so I did PA announcing for like two two years and uh, yeah, two years, and then my last year, I did. Uh, I did play-by-play for football and basketball. Loved it. And I always knew I wanted to do, do that. I mean, anybody that knows me growing up in my Philadelphia neighborhood, we had dice games, board games, and everything. And I, Here's a 2-2 two, two to Dick Allen, or Richie Allen at the time. Here's a 2-2 two, two to Richie Allen. And, uh, and and I can remember a friend of mine, Anthony Wainwright. I'll never forget it. He was I, I was big for my age, so I was playing with these bigger guys. And if there was no game, we'd go to the supermarket parking lot, draw a big you know, plate on the wall, get the broom, get the tennis ball, and he would he looked like Juan Marichal, and he would be broadcasting as he was striking me out. Here's the 1-1 to Dave Sims. Whoosh, strike him! You know, that whole thing. So, I've been enamored of broadcasting all my life, but I didn't, you know, I didn't get this job till I was in my mid-50s. Yeah, but I'd had a, I've had a great run. You know, I did talk radio at WFAN, WNBC. I anchored at, uh, was it, NBC and CBS flagships in New York. I have no complaints at all. Uh, I want to know this. This is, the, this is the headline question, and we're going to start early. When I watch you call a game, listen to you call a game, your emotion for the moment is unlike anybody else's. Where does that come from? Um, I love sports, and I told somebody earlier today, I said I was not made to be a brain surgeon or a biochemist. I mean, I, I think I'm a people person. I'm a sports person. And having played and have, having a measure of success in high school and college, being an athlete, I know, what it, I know the ups and downs, the ins and outs. Uh, you know, I'm not a, as a friend of mine said, you're not an assassin. You know, if guys make mistakes on plays, I mean, you know, you, you understand it. And, you know, you don't crush a guy, but you detail it. And, but I just, I just love the excitement of the game. I love athletic achievement. And, and, and I, like what, I like the whole process. And I was lucky enough to, to cover track and field, be a sideline reporter in 88 for NBC and the Seoul Olympics. So that was the Ben Johnson, Flojo Olympics, and Carl Lewis and all those guys. I mean, I saw some unbelievable things. I just love athletic achievement, and I, and I, I, I get excited by it. I really do. I've often heard, and I think it's right, one of the keys to being a good broadcaster is broadcasting with a smile. And generally, when you're doing a game, people can't see you, but um, there's this idea of that's the kind of person I would love to hang out with and, and watch a game. And I think Jason hit on a great point. The joy comes through in your voice, the way you call a game. And I guess the best compliment I could pay you, Dave, is your Dave Sims on and off the air. And not every broadcaster is like that, but I think that's the goal of all of us is to be ourselves all the time. Well, I appreciate that. I was, um, my mom and dad raised, my brother and I raised this right. And uh, my father was, I can, a real quick story. The eighty, the Doug Williams. We've got time. Okay, yeah, the right. du, the Doug Williams Super Bowl. We're in San Diego, and our youngest was a couple three months old, and my father was five six. Looked like uh, he and he and his father looked like uh, Edward G. Robinson. Only only they were African American. I mean, the same kind of attitude, big mouth, the whole thing. Help, fellow, well met. And one time, and the youngest, our youngest got sick, and my wife called down to uh, the desk. And she says, I'm looking for my, uh, my uh, father-in-law, um, uh, 
Mr. Sims and, and uh, this black man about five. Oh, Mr. Sims, he's right over there. We know him. He got to know everybody <laughs> at the front desk. He was basically like a greeter at the door. You know, John Madden's coming in. He says, what's, what's worse John Madden's going to say? He's going to say no. He said, I said, John, John, my son, Dave Sims, he's got a show down the hallway. Make sure you go down and stop by and say hello. Uh, that's where I get it from. That's, you know, that, that's where I get it from. And my father-in-law and his father worked the congressional dining room in the 30s and 40s that filmed the butler it, that's based on a true story i i don't know this for a fact but i bet the house that my grandfather was a contemporary and knew that gentleman that story was based upon so i mean i have a story from like 1952 where he served you know he, lbj was when he was the democratic you know leader of the house he and lbj were, were tight and he served Halle Selassie and FDR and Hoover and all these guys. And when, matter of fact, when he had a heart attack in, in, in like 64, 5, and Johnson heard about it, he made sure he got him from one hospital, some local hospital, Walter Reed, and took care of him. So that's, that's where it comes from. It really does. I mean, uh, I, I've been very blessed in that regard. And to kind of tie it all together, and Jason, you can chime in, but we, we use the word narrator for remote broadcasting. And... I use other words for it. <laughs> Guys, no, but, but I think the three of us all connect in that we can't just be narrators. It's the human connection. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's, you have to be able to talk to players and managers and coaches and things to do our job correctly, right? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, th this is what, since I've gotten to know you a little bit, Dave, uh, over the past couple of years even more, I, I love that you just want to talk to people. I mean, there are some people who show up at a place and they want to go do what they do and they'll run into a player or whatever it might be. You have this, you have this interest in everybody you come in contact with. And I, I think some people would find it exhausting and you seem exhilarated by it. Uh, that is an accurate read. Uh, and the way in here just now before we sat down here, I was walking by your clubhouse and I knew yesterday was not a good day. I mean, it was a zoo, it's opening day. I said, I got and I told I reminded myself last night to stop by the clubhouse to see who you could see. I know a couple of guys, I don't know them well. I walk in the clubhouse, there's Dallas Keiko. I talked to him a lot when he was in Houston. I see Daryl Boston, I used to chat with him all the time. Past Tony as he was going out. I saw Miguel Cairo, who was with us for a little bit. And I was looking for Josh Harrison and Tim Anderson and a few in uh, Engel. I was looking for those guys. I'd met them previously, just to say hello, hey man. And and one thing I learned from from uh, Mike Kruko. Bill Raftery, you know, before a game, but more so Crook in this regard. Before every game, you got to be in a, And I learned this from Dick Young, too, a great sports writer, sports editor, worked for him at the New York Daily News. Uh, win, lose, or draw, you got to go to the clubhouse every day. And, you know, if you hammer somebody, you rip somebody, be there, show your face. Uh, I, you know, my Woodward and Bernstein days are over, so I'm basically, you know, I'm a, I'm a club employee. PR arm, if you will, of the Mariners, goodwill and all that kind of stuff. That's my deal. And I, and I enjoy it. And I try to do like Raph does. I've worked with Raph for years. You think I have a smile on my face? He's, on, he's the best. Raph is the I did three, three consecutive nights with Raph in February. It was like three of the best days I've ever had in my broadcasting career. Because you know, you know you're going to, and Dave Sims, Satan Hall goes, man, man. I mean, you, get, you know, you live in that stuff. Come on. And Raph, every time you do a show open, it's always, you know, the big smile and the hey, how are you and everything. And I, I've learned over the years. I think I've studied all the great announcers over the years. I got to meet, 
You know, I mean, Marty Brenneman's a friend, Brad Sham. I called Mr. Scully on his birthday. Not to name drop, but I mean, you know, these, are, these are guys that were influencing my career. Uh, Dick Genberg, I used to talk to him a lot when I was a sports writer. Uh, oh, man, Bob Neal, worked with him on the, on the Goodwill Games. There's so many good guys out there that you can learn from and, and then add it to your own personality. And what you said, Len, about broadcasting with a smile in your voice, and I'm sure you guys get the same thing. Kids, hey, really like your stuff. Can you critique my tape? And one of the first things I almost always say, dude, do you enjoy your job? Because you you got to sound like it. You know, you can't make this sound like it's drudgery. And and I've done 100 lost seasons. There's ways to pick that up. I mean, 100 lost seasons, 90 lost seasons. You can get through it. You can survive it. Because there's other stories in the other clubhouse. But you got to have, you you got to really be, you got to love what you do. It's like anything. I don't feel like I go to work every day. I mean, this is like, this is a joy, man. Well, it's funny before Stone I ever, before I ever met you. Oh, Steve Stone come came in too. We got a big we got a big like a party here. Party. Yeah, it's Tut Shores, uh, <laughs> twenty twenty two I'm the live gallery. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> we're DJ. We got we got the all, 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 all the broadcast. Everybody, <laughs> it's like uh, hype men. <laughs> yeah, right. Drew Bundini Brown, right? <laughs> Where's Robert Klein? Said the third deck in Yankee Stadium. <sighs> <laughs> Before I ever met you, Dave, and got to know you well, I knew you loved baseball for this reason. You're a terrific broadcaster of all these other sports. I've heard you do college football and the NFL and college basketball. You're excellent. And you chose baseball, and you know this better than anyone. You've got to love baseball. <laughs> you can do football, you can do basketball, <laughs> and it's a job, and you can like it. Yeah. You have to love this sport. You absolutely do. And I'll never forget when I got this job, I was working with Bob Trumpy, and he was telling me, he says, first thing you want to do is get to know the clubbies. They know everything. Uh, and the, the trainers, they know all the stuff. But he says, hey, my man, it's 162 games, 190 counts spring training. And Boomer Sison, how the hell do you do a game every day? You know, my football guys say the same thing. It is what it is. And, I, and my very, a very understanding wife of almost 40 years in October, I think that's been huge. Uh, some of my southern friends said, Sonny, I'll kick your coverage when you married her. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I've been very lucky in that regard. And, and my guys back in high school, they, they, knew, they, they knew I wanted to be in broadcasting. And, you know, I, was, you know, I played baseball four years in high school and started – every game. I mean, I was an outfielder and then started three years a catcher, MVP. I mean, I love the game. I know the game. And as a catcher, I love that perspective that I, I can bring. And I, I understand why so many catchers are, are MGRs and, and for good reason, you know? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. My one disappointment about, uh, disappointment about this podcast is People can't see your facial expressions while they listen. They're not going to see. Because some people are great impersonators. You immediately become another person facially <laughs> when you're doing a voice. You know, you know what that's from? I, there, there's an inner stand-up comic in me. I, I love those guys. I be, 
become friends with Robert Wall over the years. You know, love Seinfeld and all those guys. You know, Chris Rock, and I love those guys. And as a kid, watching for you old timers out there watching the Sullivan Show at eight o'clock Eastern Time on CBS, he always had some comic on, and I love those guys. And I, I took a lot away from watching them over the years. The, the black guys, the white guys, the Jewish guys. You know, I love them all. I think it's it's an unbelievable calling to do that kind of gig. And every now and then I can, I, I spin off a good line. I can, I actually, I was like, man, where'd I come from? And sometimes I'll, I'll steal, but I'll credit people. I'll, I'll take a line, you know, Billy Crystal's a favorite. I mean, I love the Robin Williams, Whoopi Goldberg, that whole crew. So I appreciate that. Thanks. That's, uh, and it, I, I think of some of the, and, I, and I've studied, my mother was a librarian, so she used to bring home these humongous coffee table books. You get a hernia, you know, trying to pick it up. And, uh, and about entertainment and Broadway and stuff like that. So I, that's all in my wheelhouse. And that's been one of the great disappointments, too, with the last couple, three years not being able to go to Broadway. I mean, come on. So, so wait, um, have you ever worked on a tight 10? Like, have you ever tried to kick the tires on stand-up? No, 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 I'm not that crazy. I just dig it. I don't, I'm not ready to do it. <laughs> I, I totally, I, you know, I can remember... When I first got to New York, I made it a point to go to the Improv and to Catch a Rising Star and a comic strip. Um, I'm trying to remember, I saw a couple of guys on their way up. I saw Robert Wall at at the Improv on was that West 43rd Street between Eighth and Ninth. And then you know, 40 years later, I meet him. He's friend of Jerry Jerry uh, Jerry Depoto, and they take a shot of him last four years ago after I wrecked my Achilles, and I was only doing three innings, and. I said, wait a minute, I know Robert Wall. I texted Jerry. He said, get, get his ass down here. <laughs> and he, hey, how are you? And we started, I told him the whole thing, and it was great. So he, I see him now during spring training, or if he stops by. I, th- I think those guys are just terrific. And Robert Klein is my all-time favorite. Oh. I love Robert Klein. And on there, my wife's a physical therapist, and one day we were probably recently married, and I was working at Satellite News Channel, and we worked, we, it was all news on TV. So... We'd rotate every couple months. You'd have the morning shift, the night shift. So I'm sleeping, and she calls me and says, you'll never guess who's working downstairs. I said, okay, I, I'll, I'll bite. I said, Robert Klein. I said, I'll be right down. <laughs> and, I went, and I, you know, hello, how are you, blah, 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 blah. And I, I, that was probably the most I'd ever spoken with them. But I used to go see him. I would watch all his HBOs. I saw him when they were doing, uh, they're playing our song with Lucy Arnaz. I saw him at Central Park. So we've become friends. I texted him the other day. I think he's almost 80. And uh, one time he invited us about four or five years ago, invited us to the Friars Club. So we're sitting there. It's like, we're going to be at the Friars Club. Are you kidding me? And Susie, uh, Susie Essman from, uh, from Curb, Curb yeah, yeah. my wife loves her. So do I. I, I just see her and I start crying. I'm laughing, right? So she's over the table and my wife said, I wonder what she's talking about. I wonder if she's talking to us. So we're waiting for Klein. We're waiting for Klein. Well, like a half hour, 40 minutes, we have a couple of cocktails. I pick up, pick up the phone. I say, oh, Robert, where are you? And he, and he says, give the phone to Abby. He says, oi, oi, I'm up in Maine with my girlfriend. I totally forgot. <laughs> tell, tell, uh, tell Benno to come over. And he told, tells Benno, whatever these people want, give it to him times two. And then we later got together and had a, a raucous, I had a raucous dinner with him, he and uh, my wife. Another time I had lunch with him. He's, he's like one of my all-time favorites. And he's Seinfeld's ultimate comic hero. I mean, I, and that's the thing I love about it. You guys know, living in Chicago, you're going to see entertainment people who are sports fans. I love that. I love shooting a breeze with yeah, those guys, right? Comedians in Cars was oh, right? outstanding. Right? Oh, that was wonderful. 
Yeah, and the one he did with Elaine, uh, with Elaine Bennis, with uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, yeah. was very good too. Yeah. Uh, people listening to this are saying Dave Sims has the greatest life ever, and I would agree. And we are lucky to be uh, in this atmosphere of you know celebrities coming in and, and being baseball fans and the like. So. You probably already answered this, but is there anybody else you've met that had you speechless, where you were like, I can't, I, I can't do this, so I'm too nervous? One year, March of Dimes Sports Dinner, big deal in New York, Waldorf Astoria, which is being converted now to Chinese, that's a whole other story. So I'm invited, and I'm on the stage before they open the curtain, Jack Nicholas, Frank Gifford, Ahmad Rashad, Walt Frazier. I mean, it's ridiculous. So we're talking there, me and Ahmad and a couple of guys, and literally, like, the curtain parts, and walking in is Jim Brown. And I'm, you know, old enough that I saw him in his prime. He comes over to the group, and he's gone, and everybody is like, the room stopped. It's like, holy moly, this is Jim Brown. And, like, Ahmad, they say hello. And he comes, he's in a little circle, and he's coming to me. And I said, Mr. Brown, good to see you. And for some reason, I had just seen something on TV about him, about movies. And I blanked. I did a George Costanza. And I said, so, making any more, uh, any movies lately? And he looks at me and goes, oh, man, all you had to do was say hello. <laughs> <laughs> So I told my wife, she kills me on that all the time. Hey, Jim Brown, Jim, Jim, uh, George Costanza moment. I, I mean, I love watching a guy play. I mean, I can still – Matt Gukas Sr. was the PA announcer for Eagles games when I was a kid. And it's one of the coolest sounds I've ever heard. I was like, and at fullback, number 32 from Syracuse, Jim Brown. <sighs> I just – I get chills even now thinking about it. The other guy I have not met. I've met a lot of, a lot of, of the – interviewed Mays and Mantle. I still haven't met Mr. Koufax. And that's like, it feels like, you know, that's the great white whale. I got to meet Sandy Koufax. I got a picture of Drysdale. He signed my autograph. I interviewed Willie Mays and Mantle when I did a show. It was a WNBC Sports Night and MSG Network simulcasted. And we, we'd have an audience of 50 to eh, 100 people. And on both occasions when Willie and Mickey, they were there separately, grown men cried at the mere sight of Mantle and Mays. They had their kids there. That's Willie Mays. That's Mickey with the New York accent. That's Mickey Mantle. You know how good these guys are? And guys are standing crying at the mere sight of these guys. It was unbelievable. It was just, it was, and you just sit back and the roar just like washes over you. You know, like Harry Carey used to always say, hey, listen to this crowd. You know, it was one of those kind of deals, you know? Yeah. It was awesome, man. So, you know, just, I don't know why I thought of this, but, and we're lucky we have one of the greats in Gene Honda here as the PA voice uh, of the White Sox, but being five, (laughs) Frank Thomas. Oh, that's good. I've always loved PA announcers. He's he's one of my favorites. I'm a big PA guy. So. Being a Philadelphia native, we don't have enough Dave Zinkoffs around. Oh. Now, here they are. Yeah. From Massachusetts, number six, Julius Irv. Yes. There was Steve Mix <laughs> would be at the free throw line. There's a mix at the line shooting two. <laughs> Garfield heard when he played at Buffalo, and he'd knock down a jump shot. Heard of Buffalo. Oh. Just brilliant, yeah. I love this thing. Nice Jewish man, about 5'6". He'd have been like 85, and he was still cranking them out, you know. And 
a word about smoking. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> that is one of the greatest right? things I've ever yes. heard. Yes. Um, it, you know, I think there's probably some stuff on YouTube. And it was, you know, uh, I can remember, what was it? Mo-cheeks. Yep. <laughs> right? Andrew Tony. Mo-cheeks. A- uh, Andrew Chick, sadly he died. He was a PA announcer uh, with the Celtics. And Andrew Tony, of course. All right, good to see you. Mike see Myers Mike. here. Yes, <laughs> we, got a big, we got a big group. Um, <laughs> the, uh, well, Andrew Tony was the Boston assassin. And I, I still hear him. He used to say, Andrew, Tony. You know, Tony would be knocking down three, three pointers from, you know, from the parking lot, you know. So I, I get it. And John, uh, John Francis Xavier Condon was the voice of Madison Square Garden. The next, Walt Frazier at the line shooting two. He was more conversational, yeah. right? Yeah. That's goaltending. And, uh, you know, and for the quickest exit, please use the ramp. <laughs> so if you if you're say somebody offers you ten million dollars, but you have you have twenty seconds to do one impersonation that slays. Oh God, that's a good question. Your number wow, one. Wow, that's a good one. I, I I still think "Heard of Buffalo" works for me because yeah. it, it tickles the heck out of everybody when they hear that. Yeah. You know, but refs. Dave Sims, Duke goes man to man. That goes pretty good. <laughs> that's good. That's All good. right, let's go. Oh, and the other one, send it in, Jerome. We were working the night that at the anniversary of that. I said, Raph, you got to do it. Come on." They played. The, the producer was on top of everything. It was great. It was the anniversary, like some, sometime in January, and Raph talked about it. And, and, and he said, "Sean Miller called me this morning. It's the anniversary. I was the one that sent him the pass for you to do send in send it in Jerome." <laughs> <laughs> so I, now you say I have to say uh, I have for a while done a Sean McDonough impersonation. Oh wow! So maybe you please do it. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell a story real fast. <laughs> Maybe you and I should go on tour. Glenn, can you do a Billis? And we can just oh, be on no, a big Monday. Yeah, yeah, I wish I, I could. I was Billis' first partner, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I think no so. No way, Bill, really? Billis' first partner, Fran Fischella, uh, uh, the Rutgers coach. Um, uh, Bob Wenzel. Bob Wenzel. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Wenzel. So, evidently, when Billis, McDonough, and Raftery were doing games oh together, God, yeah. Sean loves to tell, and Sean's a friend, you, yeah, you know, yeah. right? Very good man. Yeah. Uh, Sean, Sean uh, loves to tell human interest stories. Mm-hmm. And he'll go into a story about somebody lifting up a bus off <laughs> of a child or something like that. And he'll tell the story. Right. Phyllis and Raftery used to compete with each other for who could interrupt him at the perfect time. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so Sean would go, well, you know, when he was five... His yeah, mother good. his mother lifted a large school bus off of him and made sure that he could be here and Rafter would go, Oh beautiful pass <laughs> <laughs> like, That's Raph. That is Raph. <laughs> so so I ran into Sean a couple of years ago at an event and he comes up to me and he says, Hey, I hear you do an impersonation of me. Why don't you do it? And I say, Oh, you know, okay, whatever. I said, uh, with uh, Jay Billis, Bill Raftery, here at the XL Center, the two XL egos, I'm Sean McDonough. And Sean turns to me, and this is perfect Sean. He goes, he goes, great, when does the impersonation start? <laughs> you nailed it. What are you talking about? It's totally nailed. Yeah, but that's, that's vintage Sean, right? To say, to say, great, when are you actually going to do it? <laughs> Three and two. 
Oh, God. Oh, That's man. Funny. Oh. That's good stuff. Well, we all, that, is, that is good stuff. We, have, we only have a couple more minutes with you. Are you and, sure? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we may go to overtime. Yes. I have a wonderful story about somebody who had a severe illness who made a three just moments ago. <laughs> uh, let's keep it a little topical. Coach K, uh, your relationship with him, I know you've done a show with him for many years. 17 years. I know him since he was at Army. We used to have weekly writers' luncheons at the late and still lamented Mama Leone's restaurant, 49th and 8th, thereabouts. And, you know, I started out as you know, one of the beat writers, and then they elected me as the head of the organization. Anyway, I can't tell you how many Tuesday afternoons I'd go back to the Daily News and say, what the hell am I going to write? Because I've spent my last hour and a half laughing. <laughs> because the roster of the dudes in this room Jimmy V, Raff, Louis Carnesecca, Tom Penders, PJ Carlissimo, and Mike, you know, these guys, you know, personalities are just like Jack Gundo and funnier than heck, right? And Mike would get up and, and you know, wow, well, you know, an Army, and somebody would say, I guess about Army basketball. <laughs> and I know he's the greatest coach of all time, right? Good dude, uh, intense, good sense of humor, loves this city. Really? From Chicago. And just the last show I did a couple of weeks ago, I talked about growing up, and he said there was a tavern on every corner. I said, it's a typical big city. I had the same thing in Philly. I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I missed the last show because, duh, we had an opener the other night. But I texted him, and I said, hey, man, great year. I didn't mention I, I couldn't mention all the, the Carolina losses. My wife went to Duke. So you, you pair that with the 17 years with him. It hurt. I, so I, I said, man, I'm bummed out losing to Carolina in a season, in the home finale, regular season finale, and then losing to them in the tournament. And I've got, we're, we're doing a game. I got my iPad here, and I'm, I'm sort of like, you know, two and two, and I'm like, <laughs> looking over. And I see the big guy was at Williams with a buck 45 to go. Was it a buck 45, down four, brick, two free throws? I had to turn it off. And then I saw the final result, and I was like, so now, of course, my, one of my high school coaches was a soccer All-American at Carolina, got out in 64. He, played, he was around the same time as Billy Cunningham. Simsey, how about them heels? Oh. Yeah. I was like, oh, God. So I can imagine. I didn't, I, I, I'm going to leave it. A, I'll reach out to Mike. He and Mickey were in, in Vegas. They go, <clears throat> that's their deal. He's, he's a good guy. We had, because of who he is, when a producer calls and said, hey, well, you know, Coach K would like to have you on the show, it's like we'd never get turned down. I mean, I, th- I think we, we tried to get a, uh, President Obama. Couldn't get him. But, I mean, we had, Mrs. Jo- we had uh, Barbara Bush on one time. We had Martin Dempsey, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Ford CEO, GM CEO, McDonald CEO, Kobe LeBron, Mike Trout, uh, Bryce Harper, Dansby Swanson, Socia Madden. I mean, who's who? The, the annual... Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, now Nick Saban visit after he wins every year. Jimmy Johnson, I think seven consecutive years when he won the NASCAR championship. I mean, we covered the whole thing, man. It was unbelievable. And I basically do a, a, a an Ed McMahon, just everything but hi everything but that. But you know, you know, here's you know, coach. We do the first segment. We sort of interact, and then I tee it up and then get out of the way and let him talk. Great. Final word, Jason or Sean? I'm not sure who we're with. <laughs> Delighted to see you. 
It's a pleasure. Um, no, I just, I hope people can hear how much joy you bring everybody you're around. You are a positive impact on everybody you meet. And I love that about people. You specifically. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. I second that very much. Dave, great to see you. Thanks for spending some time with us. Enjoyed it. Good point. It's a good way to, uh, the next segment of Rain Out Theater is going to be brought to you by. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's right. We'll see you next time on Sox Degrees. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.